Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice, musician turned entrepreneur and co-founder of 6th Ave Homes and 6th Ave Storytelling. Over the past 10 years, I have launched multiple successful businesses and have become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship and marketing. I've been on a personal quest to unpack what it takes to make and grow a great brand. One thing that I've discovered is that stories are powerful and that storytelling has the power to set a brand apart. Join me as I dive into the stories of the heavy-hitting leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and business owners in our community to hear their biggest wins, greatest losses, and their best business secrets. There's a story behind every great brand. Welcome to Stories with Soul. Stories with Soul is brought to you by my company, 6th Ave Storytelling. In 2020, we launched a marketing company on a mission to encourage entrepreneurship and make starting and growing a small business easier than ever before. Since then, we have helped hundreds of small businesses and entrepreneurs grow their brands by giving them the tools, resources, strategy, and support they need to craft and share their stories. If you are thinking about launching and growing your own brand, schedule a meetup with me today. I would love to talk to you. Head over to 6thAvStorytelling.com and let me show you how the storytelling approach can transform your marketing strategy. This episode of Stories with Soul is sponsored in part by Project 202, the leader in experience-driven software strategy, design, and development. Whether you're looking to build a new software solution, redesign your mobile app, or kick off a digital transformation initiative, Project 202's customized approach creates solutions that work for your customers. Customer experience drives engagement, and cultivating that experience requires a ton of attention and time. Project 202 is local and has 18 years of design leadership. This team is an expert in using customer-centric methods to build compelling data-driven customer experiences. Wherever you're at in your business journey, the diverse team at Project 202 will guide you from idea to execution. Go to project202.com. That's P-R-O-J-E-K-T-202.com and click contact to begin winning the hearts of your customers and exceeding your business goals today. Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice. Today, I am joined by someone that I've never actually met in person until today, and I have been an admirer of for quite some time, Leonard Firestone. I'm glad you're here. As mentioned, I'm about to read your bio in front of you. Uh, So Leonard co-founded the Firestone and Robertson Distilling Company, where he and his partner created TX Whiskey and TX Bourbon Brands, arguably arguably two of the the biggest brands to come out of Fort Worth. Uh, As co-founder, Firestone was responsible for leading the organization's sales, marketing, and production strategies while scaling the business to become the largest American whiskey distillery west of the Mississippi. Correct. That's wild. Uh, in 2019, the FNR company was acquired by the second largest multinational spirits company in the world. Before his work in the distilling industry, Firestone worked in the broadcast and cable industries. He served as president and general manager of the ABC affiliate in Jacksonville, Florida, as well as being the co-founder of a children's cable television network. That's interesting. Yes, we'll, have to, yeah. we'll have to dive into that. Uh, in 2020, he served on former Mayor Price's Fort Worth Now Task Force. This was a COVID-19 recovery committee, which provided financial assistance to small businesses adversely affected during the p- pandemic. And he currently serves on the Fort Worth City Council and is active on several boards and committees, including the, including the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Committee Chair, uh, the Mobility and Inf- Infrastructure and Transportation, the Audit Committee, 
that doesn't sound quite as fun. <laughs> <laughs> and the Regional Coordination Committee protecting areas around the Naval Air Station and Reserve Base. Uh, you're on the board of Trail Drive Management, yep. which I just had Matt Homan in amazing. with Dickies. Yeah. And, oh, it's a, it, yeah. that was a fun conversation. And the Fort Worth Sports Authority. So welcome. <laughs> You've yeah. done a lot. Well, you're doing you. a lot. Thank you. And Thanks you're like, for... you're kind of retired, but like... Kind of, but uh, have a full time. <laughs> I do, I do. But first, first off, thanks for having me. Yeah, nice to be here. So I, I think like one of the reasons I, I'm excited to have you on, is 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 one, I, I, like I, I feel like TX whiskey and TX bourbon, like the the distillery. You guys created one of the one of the biggest brands to come out of Fort Worth. Um, something that like kind of became it became a household name, became popular. And then two, you have sort of lived the entrepreneur's dream of creating something beautiful and meaningful that everybody loves, yeah. then also selling it so that it can grow even bigger. And now you get to retire and right. but not really retire. <laughs> but but that's it like, doesn't feel like retirement. You, at you the scale like you did yeah. it. You you did the thing, you know. Yeah. Sold it, and I mean like I've done a lot, but I haven't. It's like there's always someone that's the level above uh, above you, and so I'm, I've just I've wanted to sit down and like meet you and pick yeah. your brain for quite some time. Uh, c- coming coming out of it, like, do you do you feel like is there like another level that you're that you're wanting to reach? Like, because in my mind, this this is this is like something I'm like you're like a inspiration. I'm like I want to do that right, type right. of thing. You know, um, it, it, well, to answer the question, it's kind of bittersweet, you know, mm-hmm. because it, it was everything you described from creating something from literally a piece of paper with mm-hmm. uh, Troy Robertson to scaling the business and having that exit, which, you know, we always had in mind and we had investors. And of course, that mm-hmm. was a, an, an expectation, but it was bittersweet because, um, you know, it was our baby. And, um, we, we had a lot of fun with it. We worked so hard at it and Mm -hmm. it wasn't always easy. It's one of those things that now, you know, looks like it was just so smooth and it's never easy. They're never, never, ever easy. Um, so we had our challenges along the way. It's a, it's a hard business. It's a very hard competitive business. The spirit industry. Spirit industry. Yeah. What, 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 like, why do you say that? Well, um, you know, uh, competition. And it's competition on the shelves at stores. It's competition uh, on premise, which are bars and restaurants. Uh, competition from these big companies uh, like Pernod Ricard, who mm-hmm. acquired us. Um, you know, there's multi-billion. It's multi-billion-dollar industry. It, my, my assumption is part of the hardness is also it's it's expensive. Like yeah. to compete at that, it's not like a restaurant or it's not like a, a real estate shop or like. To do spirits, like you, you kind of have to go big or go home. I'm, I'm assuming. Well, to compete, to compete with the. Actually, uh, I would say it's not, not um, totally that. So you you can get into that game of one-upsmanships, yeah, sponsorships, and doing events and swag, and Mm -hmm. you know, um, trying to do constant product innovations uh, a lot of the time. Uh, or you see companies do, and we honestly we stayed away f- from that side. We just um, really focused on uh, the core business, two products really only: TX whiskey and TX bourbon. 
Um, was that intentional from the start? It, it, it was, and it was funny. Um, when we got probably, I don't know, five years or so into it, um, flavored whiskeys became really hot. So call it 2015-ish. Mm -hmm. And we were getting a lot of calls from our distributor and others saying, hey, why, why aren't you doing a maple-flavored TX or blueberry-flavored TX, all that kind of thing that were coming out and had a moment of popularity but faded ultimately pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, we didn't want to be distracted, you know, and uh, people were responding really well to our product. And we just wanted to lean into that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's from a, so a product how, how standpoint. Did you, if you weren't playing the sponsorship game and playing the yeah. the big Super Bowl commercial game, right. like what what was some of the the secrets to the success? So it's I, it's really simple, and it's a great I think uh, powerful lesson for entrepreneurs was that the best marketing was word of mouth. It was people sharing our product with their friends. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we literally didn't have a marketing budget when we first started because we were plowing all the capital into our infrastructure with the stills and producing the bourbon, which we knew we were going to have to age for. Um, at the time when we started, we were going to do it at least two years. It ultimately meant uh, or was five years, which is a crazy, uh, which is crazy model. And you got to, you, you got to make this thing and wait for five years. Yeah. Uh, and How does that work? I mean, talk about a challenging spreadsheet. Was that in? The, was that? Did you make a spreadsheet that said that? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we had to plan for all that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by my good friends at Visit Fort Worth. Visit Fort Worth is the official destination marketing organization of the 13 largest city, and I would say the greatest city in the United States, dedicated to promoting Fort Worth as a premier business and leisure destination with thriving centers of creativity, culture, and commerce. Visit Fort Worth is the parent organization of the Fort Worth Herd, the Fort Worth Film Commission, Fort Worth Sports Commission, Visita Fort Worth, and Music Initiative Here Fort Worth. They are doing a lot of amazing things. For more information on Visit Fort Worth, head over to visitfortworth.com and follow them on social at Visit Fort Worth. This episode is sponsored by the Fort Worth Business Press. As a Fort Worth entrepreneur and small business owner, the Business Press is my favorite source for news and updates about the entrepreneurial community in and around Fort Worth. I read their email newsletter literally every day. It's always full of insights and stories that really matter. Are you ready to be more connected? Sign up for their free newsletter at fortworthbusinesspress.com. But if you're like me and the newsletter just isn't enough, you can become an insider. With the code STORYTELLING10, all one word, you'll get a discount on the insider membership. Insiders receive exclusive access to special content, 24 issues of the business press delivered to your door each year, and discounts on event registrations and more. Join me and the Fort Worth Business Press in staying up to date on the people, companies, and issues that matter most to Fort Worth. So, and, you know, we were fortunate because TX Whiskey did better than anticipated, so we could wait longer financially for the bourbon to age because we... Because you were you could make that much quicker. Uh, we could, we yeah. could, and... Um, and the bourbon we could see was just getting better and better. So you're like, don't so, touch it, don't mess with it. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so, again, just kind of back to that marketing piece, it was word of mouth. And what we did 
to stimulate it pretty early on when we started touring people at the distillery, um, going out on premise and off premise and doing tastings, people were really responding to the quality of the product, the flavor of, of TX whiskey. So what we tried to do was get the um, product, get the whiskey to as many people as quickly as possible. So we would donate to every charity that called. And there, oh, there were a lot. Okay. There were festivals that were, you know, interesting in or interested in um, would you uh, donate to the green room, things like mm-hmm. that. So we were, you know, for us it was, we felt like really efficient, relatively cheap marketing. You were like, if I can get it in it, somebody's hands. Get it in their hands. Get them which, to taste which it. Which is, is cheaper than buying ads or getting a, Oh, absolutely. It, you but know, it's still expensive. It still costs you to make that. It costs you, but again, a lot cheaper. And than, you, you were head of marketing. Like you sort of, I'm assuming, I'm assuming like you and your partner, y'all both had different hats that you. Yeah. You know, we, we did ultimately at the start when there's two of us and then there was three, you're doing everything. Um, and it was, it was really complex because uh, you have this, product that we released into the market that you have to attend to and then product that we're making uh, every day and, and aging. Um, and so the, the spectrum of, I guess, business skill sets that we really had to lean into from a factory to a sales and marketing organization, mm-hmm. um, it, was, it was a full day. It was a full day, yeah. believe me. Well, can you can you take me on a dive into your background mm. and how that primed you or set you up to be qualified even to do mm-hmm. that? Like, mm-hmm. take take. So you you were in. We talked a little bit earlier. You were in TV. You mm-hmm. originally started doing sales, right? For for a were network. You, have you been talking to my wife? <laughs> <laughs> take me there. Take me there. She, she, she was like, "You want to do what?" Uh-huh. When, when I I told her that I wanted to start a distillery, which was a complete left turn. Yeah, and you would not naturally make the connections that I had any business even thinking about. You know, doing or getting into a business like that. Um, and I think she she said to me, she was like, "That seems more like a hobby than it does really your career and yeah. our, our family." Um, and so, because your kids were young when the you, kids were super young, um, and you said I want. She was pregnant when we with our fourth when we launched it, and you and you went. So there was a moment where you went to her and said, "I want to do this for a career." Yeah, yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, listen. Were you uh, making? Could you? Can you even make whiskey at home? Could you make bourbon at home? We, well, you, not legally. Okay, not legally. <laughs> <You're> like <laughs> bootlegging it in the. But I can tell you, there's a picture uh-huh. of me with my probably two year old son on on my knee with a still in our backyard. It's terrible. You I had a still in your backyard. Yeah. yeah. What does uh, that look I like? I shouldn't publicize that. <laughs> it's in the past. You're on the city council now. No one will ever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Statue of limitations. Um, yeah, you know, um, gosh, we I can't remember where we got it, um, but either fabricated. No, we bought it. We got it online somewhere. Which I'm assuming, so you had to be into into bourbon and whiskey. At, at, yeah, I was always fan. Did you of, become an enthusiast? Like, what was the point where you're like, I love this? Yeah, um, you know, it was interesting. So the, I call it sort of the, the entrepreneur light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can 
talk about what I was doing prior, but um, had a uh, communications company, which we sold in 2007, and um, was kind of looking for the next thing. So you, you was, had an exit before that? Yes. What was it, what was your communications company? Um, that was a um, satellite uplink facility and a, um, a Spanish-language children's cable network that, that we started. What does a satellite uplink, what does that even mean? Uh, you know, it was a production facility like we're in okay. right now with um, television satellite up, you know, uh, uplink capabilities. So, so a studio that you could send content. Correct. To so set. we we were all and doing put, it and had a children's network yep, that was attached to that. Yeah. Yeah. So we were managing um, networks. So it basically outsourced work where. Mm -hmm. We would put together and air their programming and commercials, um, manage those elements, put them up on a satellite, and then that that stream, if you will, goes to cable companies and uh, satellite like Directv. And you uh, you started that? We started that, yeah. Um, and was yeah. that in Fort Worth, or where was it? It was, and that, that's what brought me here. So it. I say we started it. We bought a facility okay. uh, that was um, going to go into a bankruptcy, so we took it through a prepackaged bankruptcy. And, and you uh, were running, a, you were running a network, an ABC network before that. Is that correct? Before that, I, I was running the um, ABC affiliate in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then had this opportunity. Yeah. So it was a. It was interesting. So I worked for a wonderful company uh, out of Washington D.C., where I grew up. And first job out of college was with them. Then I stayed with them for about 10 years. Um, and my last position was general manager of a, uh, it was basically a startup ABC affiliate in Jacksonville. So moved down there, got that a brand new building we built from the dirt. So a studio, um, a studio studios, local news, hired 120 people. And, and you're it, running that show. And I was running that you're, show. Meaning yeah. you're hiring and doing the P&Ls and doing the... For sure. The, yeah. the strategy. Correct. Okay. Every so, bit so of that, it. So that was sort of your... That's where you... Those skills were initially yeah. picked up. To well, run it a, really, yeah, yes. And um, I think developed, but the the first job I had with the company was um, uh, with a station called News Channel 8, which was a 24-hour local cable news uh, station mm -hmm. that serviced Maryland, Virginia, and, and Washington, D.C. Second one like it in the country. There's one in, in Manhattan called New York One, okay. which we modeled after. Um, and so I joined before we went on air. So it was really part of that process. And it was I, a startup. It's a total startup. And I mention that because I think that's where it got really in my in my blood if you will the of hustle of starting the excitement of a startup and the motivation of um, building a brand and building a product and and the challenge mm -hmm. you know i really like the challenge of um of that growth okay. and and introduction uh into a community so i did that then with the abc uh, affiliate in jacksonville very similar where complete new brand, literally a new channel on the dial, okay. new call letters, new logos, new facility, new staff, anchors. And everything. they send you down there. They're like, they sent me down Leonard, there. Leonard, go that. start this thing. Correct. So you must Correct. be like, was you, is your superpower kind of 
wrangling people or is it numbers and fun, like making things profitable or is it this sort of marketing? How do I build a brand? Like what, what was, what's your sort of strength that they, they saw that they were like, we want you to be the guy that goes and. Yeah. Uh, I think it starts with people. Okay. Uh, and I don't know, uh, honestly, but, uh, I'm to, just, you have so I'm sure you have some, I'd like, well, you know, I mean to do anything, um, you know, if you're going to build a business, it starts with people, yeah. you know, and I think you can have a good brand. You can have a good plan, mm -hmm. maybe even have a good business plan, mm -hmm. a good marketing plan. But unless you can um, uh, bring good people on board and work as a team, because you can't do it by yourself, yeah. ultimately, yeah. Um, and really literally manage people, motivate people um, and you know, find ways to um, get consensus to to build and motivate and pursue a goal. Mm -hmm. I, I think it starts there, you know, and the the best thing, one of the best things I should say, if not the top, with the experience with the distillery uh, was the partnership Troy and I had together. Mm -hmm. um, we were just, we were so aligned as to what we wanted to do and how we were going to get there. Um, our, you know, a, par a partnership, business partnership, um, and people have probably heard this before. It's, I mean, it's a marriage. Yeah. I mean, oh, we yeah. were together for, you know, 12, 15 hours a day in the early days. Um, and, it, you know, you have to, if that doesn't work, nothing's going to work ultimately. Mm -hmm. And in, in the, the, the sum of your parts has to be bigger than both of you. Hundred percent, yeah. and you know, kind of check your ego at the door type thing, and um, enjoy working with with each other, which we did, and talking with each other. I mean, God, we spent hours <laughs> and hours just talking, and it wasn't necessarily uh, at at all about you know just what we needed to do that day, mm -hmm. but just sitting and talking about, you know, almost dreaming mm -hmm. about these moments where we would, we would, uh, have long conversations about, um, and give and take about where are we going to go? How are we going to do it? What do we invest in? Where, you know, spend our money? Well, ultimately who do we want to be, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that kind of openness and, um, uh, dialogue in a very free, open willingness As to be trust, wrong, a vulnerability, trust, yeah. absolutely. Uh, be challenged, debate. You know, all of those things. I think because of our our relationship, um, made it work. Mm -hmm. Made it and, work. And it really did. Did you? The other other kind of beauty th beauty of a partnership is is different strengths and different weaknesses. Yeah. yeah. Could you articulate sort of? what you felt like you brought to the table and then what he brought to the table and how it complimented yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, pretty simply, again, I, I mentioned earlier, we were all doing this, um, you know, every job in every department mm -hmm. at, at times in the early stages. But as we grew, you know, um, Troy's got a finance background. Okay, so um, he's, he's numbers. Private equity, okay. absolutely. More operations, a very mechanical. I mean, he... He, he designed and built the prototype for our the, the leather top that became a real signature of our product. He did that in his wood shop at home. Oh, really? Uh, like yeah. a kind of wooden top with a little yeah. boot yeah. stamp and Did the prototype. So 
Um, and then also is, you know, he's a super talent. Um, he's a great artist. I mean, he's got, had paintings in, mm-hmm. a, in his office. Um, and it's very creative in that way and kind of technical in seeing something and then being able to technically mm-hmm. execute on it. Um, so that was very distinct from so he is my sort of a, a vision from for the brand kind of the yeah, style I'm, yeah I, I mean that bit both of us yeah. i think we worked together on it but it's it just the way i was describing kind of the way i think his brain works he's he's an artist who can technically make it for 100 percent. okay yeah because he and, ha- and has that numbers side and number side okay. and you know where i i certainly uh spent more time was out selling uh, and that was more my background, you mm-hmm. know, as I mentioned, the, the first job at that cable network was selling, selling advertising. advertising. Yeah. And you got to pick um, up the phone and just yeah, call yeah. people. And, and, uh, did a lot of that, but also did a lot of, uh, making appointments and going in and doing that cold call mm-hmm. and trying to sell a business on what the value of, of, um, our station mm-hmm. and uh, why they should advertise with us. So, uh, I like uh, meeting people, mm-hmm. telling the story, which, uh, you know, is so important. Storytelling uh, also, all, TV. TV. <laughs> storytelling uh-huh. is so, so important. Um, I like doing that and, and like um, understanding uh, uh, the marketing plan that can apply to making customers success, successful, making the product successful. Um, and that's, that's where I, I think I spent more time. And uh, it was more natural to me. So you, so to take it, take take it back again. So you ran a station, came here for this opportunity to to buy and kind of run this other new facility, new facility. Yeah, yep. sold that. Yeah, and then th- that was what's what year did you say that was? So we sold it two thousand seven. Okay, and when uh, did you when did you and Troy connect? What year was that? So we connected in two thousand nine. Has nine. Uh, so there was a couple of years of you being bored and drinking whiskey yeah. and <laughs> making whiskey. <laughs> you know, I stayed on with the company oh, after they okay. bought us uh, and did that for a little while. And you know, that's uh, a great example. I mean, when when. Um, you get acquired, uh, things change, right? Mm-hmm. There's new ownership and a new... I'm assuming the pressure, the pressure's off a little bit. Uh, in some, yeah, sure. In some ways, uh-huh. in some ways. Um, but, uh, so I was just sort of thinking about what's next. And again, you got to dream, got to dream and, um, you know, get kind of those entrepreneurial wheels turning again and looking for opportunities. And, you know, I tell people this story, it was really remarkable um, when asked how, where did the idea to get into mm-hmm. the distilling business come from? And there, I think it was 2009, may have been eight, but there was a, um, story on Tito, uh, and Tito's vodka, mm-hmm. of course, everyone knows, uh, in the, in the Sunday New York times. And I was reading this story. I've, I had seen the vodka, of course. Um, but reading the story because he had really gotten to a tipping point where, mm-hmm getting a lot of traction and growing and um and just as a consumer i was like well this is interesting a texas vodka um seems to be doing great i wonder if anyone's doing a whiskey because i'd like to go try that or mm-hmm. buy it you know so google that and literally nothing comes up mm-hmm. so you saw a need there was well like- that was a moment okay. so just kind of it i stepped through it a little bit so google that nothing comes up 
But what that search did was take me to some craft distilleries in Colorado, California, Oregon. And that was really the light bulb moment because I could quickly see that here was a burgeoning industry mm-hmm. yet to come this way. Um, immediately could see it was very similar to craft beer mm-hmm. uh, in the traction that was getting. And with a little bit of research, saw um, Texas was the second largest consuming state of whiskey in the country. Interesting. And none of it's made here. Yeah. And I thought, holy smoke, whoa, yeah. this this could be something. And it was one of those ideas that the more I got into it and kind of pe- peeled back the onion, the more sense it it made. Mm-hmm. And there's some ideas you kind of go down rabbit holes and you you maybe really want it to work, but yeah, then you're yeah. forcing it. And it's just like ultimate, it's like, God, I was so stupid. Yeah. I knew, this uh, kept reinforcing. Reinforcing is the right word. Reinforcing. Yeah. Um, and so to, it sounds like it was, it was less, you, you, you liked whiskey, you liked bourbon, but less of like, I'm a hobbyist who just wants this. And more of like, you have an entrepreneurship brain that's that. Because I, I feel like entrepreneurs like someone who's who who sees an opportunity mm-hmm. and gets excited about opportunities and creating and filling a space where there's a void, yeah, or there's a way to do it better. And it sounds like yeah. that's that sort of. Are you a small business owner or an entrepreneur? Do you do marketing for a small business? If so, I have something that I want to give you and it's totally for free. We've put together a free resource at 6fstorytelling.com slash download. And it's the secrets, it's the tips, it's the tricks, it's the tools of the trade. It's literally everything we do at 6F Storytelling to help small businesses grow. Go download it today at 6fstorytelling.com slash download. I think that's part of it, and but I and I would have to say I was fortunate because I feel like I had this kernel of an idea, a seed mm-hmm. of an idea, right? And I would tell people, you know, if you have that instinct, you know, look for the validation where you can find it, and mm-hmm. do some, you know, do some quick research because um, the best thing, honestly, uh, with some ideas is to fail fast, mm-hmm. you know, and you save time, you save money, and um, and again, it's very hard to do alone. Yeah. So, so what was to, that validation? What, what so, were you telling your friends or your wife? No, or? uh, I was so very lucky, very fortunate. I have, um, some family out in California in the wine and beer industry. Oh, really? And okay. yeah, my uncle had started, um, Firestone Vineyards in 1972 okay. in the central coast of California, which was the first vineyard, believe it or not, on the central coast. Wow. And he's you know, responsible for a massive industry mm-hmm. really, uh, uh, growing in that area. And his son, uh, Adam followed suit and then started, uh, in operating the vineyard and then, um, creating a great craft, uh, beer brand, Firestone and Walker, mm. uh, which is here in Texas and all over the country. So anyways, um, so you called them, called them. I called my uncle Brooks and said, Hey, I, I have this idea. Um, here's what I'm seeing. And, uh, he was at that point probably in his early seventies and he was like, I don't really know anything about that. Why don't you call you, call your cousin Adam. Okay. And, um, uh, but I had been around the vin- vineyard, uh, as a kid, we would always go to California in the summer and spend time out there. So kind of been around it and seen some things. Um, so call, call my cousin and, um, he was like, yeah, it's, 
the categories on fire in California, Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, here are some things to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and was very, very helpful in that Do you regard. remember what those things were? Yeah, location was okay. one. Um, because because so much of a vineyard success is also the experience. It's the experience. Also going yeah. to you yeah. go to Napa and it's these beautiful well, that's right. places. That's right. And so, so is that, that sort of, which I think, I think that's, I would, I would attribute that to a big part of your success was you'll have this, when you were down off in the South side, this yeah, cool West Vickery. And then you upped the game on that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Made Whiskey Ranch. Was that, was that from your kind of cousins and California influence? Yeah. You know, some input on, um, locations important because you need to think about, uh, the power of touring people okay. in the facility. So he said that from like day one. Day one, yeah, okay. absolutely. Make it experiential. It's an experiential brand because, you know, it's a lifestyle brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if I think of anything that um, relates to what I did prior mm-hmm. in the te- television business, you know, I certainly feel like I always saw the whiskey as, yes, a lifestyle brand, um, but it's an entertainment brand. Okay. And so I would I would always be looking for ways to develop content around the brand. Um, okay. And that serve, served us well, I think, because it's, it is entertainment uh, at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, location was key. The experiential aspect of it, um, the tasting room, very, very crucial and was very important to us. Uh, good branding and a good distributor. So did you start kind of crafting a plan or even a dream in your head of like it would, there's a, there's a product, but then there's also this brand and this place and this experience around it. That was, that was in it from day one. Yeah. All the, all those elements were in the business plan, honestly. And we, we, I have to say we, it, we took a year to write the business plan ultimately um, and did you start that? Did, did you start that before you met Troy? Yeah. You did? Yeah, I, I did. And Troy was doing the same. And it was, again, just serendipitous and, and you know, call it, um, you know, just fate that um, we were both thinking about this idea and starting to do uh, preliminary work on it, business plan, due diligence, that kind of thing. Um, and he actually lived in the same neighborhood or Wait, we lived in the did same Did y'all know each other? We did. Okay. I was just about to share that um, we had met kind of socially, literally in the park of our neighborhood uh-huh. with our kids that are about the same age. Okay. <laughs> um, and it was with the moms and it was like, hey, how are you? Yeah. And chasing the kids around, yeah. whatever. And, and he's he's a little younger than I am. So, you know, just social circles weren't just immediately overlapped. Mm-hmm. But um, we had met each other that way. And again, one of those stories that uh, I'll, I'll never forget. So I was home probably working on uh, the business plan and he calls me and he said, um, hey, I hear you want to get in the whiskey business. And I was like, how would you possibly know that? Because uh-huh. I literally only talked talk to my wife okay. about it and was, you know, just there trying to create plan and, and my, and of course my, my cousin and uncle, as I mentioned. Um, and, um, it just turns out by this time was probably 2009. There were a couple other, uh, guys, uh, distilleries, Balconies and Garrison brothers Mm -hmm. that have 
gone on to do great things as well. Um, they had, were just a little ahead of us. And so Troy was down at, at uh, one of them. I'm forgetting which one. And I had been there. Oh, it was Garrison. And um, I'd been there the week before. And, um, and so Troy went down and he was with Dan. And Dan said, um, where are you from again? It's like uh, oh, Fort Worth. And he was like, oh, another guy from Fort Worth was just down here last week. And you were down there just tasting. You were down there asking questions. And, yeah, getting a tour, yeah. kind of more of a, a deep deep dive. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, Dan was pretty gracious about that, um, just kind of sharing mm -hmm. his experience. And he, it was the early days for him as well. Um, and so Troy and I literally said, well, let's get together for lunch. Went to lunch the next day, kind of mapped out where we were in the process, mm -hmm. which we were almost in the identical were spot. You, were you, was there any apprehension of like, I sure. don't want to show him all my, yeah, for sure. my, my whole spreadsheet? For, yeah, no, for I, sure. <laughs> for sure. I mean, it was a little bit of that feeling out um, yeah. process, but I mean, it, that went pretty quickly, uh -huh. uh, honestly, because um, uh, good rapport. Um, and, you know, another lesson is, is listen, to, when you get two, you can you can go against the world. There's a I think a famous mm. quote about that. But um, one you can be pretty alone and it's isolating when yeah. you're the only guy um, trying to to trumpet an idea. Versus two, you get that partnership. You get that ability to really become better. You egg each other on. Egg each other on. Lift each other up. Yeah. Um, you know all that stuff, which is ultimately um, so important because there are hard days. Mm -hmm. There are hard days. And some of our hardest, honestly, were, um, you know, operationally, we had some challenges, but um, raising money was brutal, mm -hmm. brutal. We just thought, um, we'll go get this done. We've got the business experience uh, behind us. I mean, I, I had 20 years, 25 years. Uh, but Troy neither had, of you had made. <laughs> neither of us had <laughs> made, made any whiskey. But you, I mean, you had some in your backyard. Was it yeah. good? <laughs> were you were you like was that what you brought to like hey can you i need a bunch of money yeah were you yeah. letting them taste the stuff like was the stuff that you made yourself no, good we, that was part of the challenge we didn't have anything to share okay it was just um, an idea and believe me what i made we would not share okay, it was uh, just vision and idea an idea yeah and, and you had to go convince people to give you a lot of money yeah and because it's, it's one thing like i need to buy the equipment to make whiskey it's another to I want to create an experience and I need real estate and I need mm -hmm. a tasting room. Like, and I want your investment. It's very hard, uh -huh. very hard because with no track re record other yeah. than, you know, your business experience, um, with no track record, the... Did you have branding or anything at that point? No. Nothing. No, it's just didn't. spreadsheets. Yeah. Spreadsheets Spreadsheet. and your and story. A, and a really good business plan, as I mentioned. Okay. I mean, we had, I mean, we were so thoughtful about it. And that's where our experience how, how really did paid you, off. How did you know what the numbers were? Did people give you that? Yeah. You, you know, a lot of research. We went to conferences. We spent time in Kentucky, just more from a learning how to uh, literally make it. Um, and was there, he was he working that whole time too? Or uh, he was transitioning out of oil and gas okay. as well. Uh, so we so were going to conferences in Kentucky uh -huh. and yeah. just picking people's brains. And there was a um, a very new um, industry kind of trade group um, called ADI, mm -hmm. uh, American in Distilling Institute. I want to say that it 
literally started maybe the year before and they were they have now come on to do some wonderful things but uh at that time it was really how to get into this business mm -hmm. and trying to formalize here's um, how much capital it takes yeah here's what yeah. you did you did you know what your margins were like uh yeah i mean we we got there um we got there but it were they accurate work. like five years later for you like, yeah they were actually okay um they were our plan was remarkably accurate 10 years later the kinds of things that we wanted to do except for building whiskey ranch what we achieved at the original facility was dead on and exceeded our mm -hmm. expectation did you raise enough money or did you have to go back and ask for more uh we did raise enough and that was really good counsel we got early on was we had one number out there mm -hmm. and um we had a, brought on a consultant to help us mm -hmm. through the process um more from a um design mm -hmm. uh of the facility itself the distillery of um the stills and all all of that production related stuff um he had done a couple craft distilleries at that point we showed him the plan uh shared with him what we were trying to raise he said double it double everything you're doing Whoa. here and he said if you do something well people are going to want it and you got to be on the shelf mm -hmm. and you can't get out there and then disappear and that was what uh really i think was primarily responsible uh, other than the question about you guys have never done this before yeah. But we did double everything. You doubled and, everything. Yeah. After yeah. you had already asked for money or before? Um, it was midstream. So, <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so went back and told the story again to some, and it was a new story to others. But uh, I think our original plan, we had maybe like a 250-gallon still mm -hmm. uh, that we were going to use. And um, that changed to two 500-gallon pot stills which um, would make us or did make us the largest craft distillery in the country, one of them close to that. So and you so, were like, we're going big from yeah, day one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and were people, what, were, what was the reaction like, like when you said, hey, I have this idea? Well, it's interesting. So we would say um, we want to um, uh, distill and produce a bourbon. Mm -hmm. One, and, of, of course, we went to friends and family, yeah. then cast a wider net in and around Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, a lot of the, well, the, the question that came up con consistently was, you can't, can you make bourbon outside of Kentucky? Mm -hmm. And there was this uh, presumption that you could not, mm -hmm. that it was an only Kentucky product. Mm -hmm. um, so we had to educate people that you actually can produce something called bourbon outside of Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And our story, I, I think, uh, once we started to really hone, on, hone in on the key elements of um, that question and mm -hmm. answering it other than just, yes, legally you can do that, mm -hmm. uh, we honed in on the fact that Texas was actually the perfect place to make bourbon because you could get all the grains here. Mm -hmm. And it was going to have this um, distinct Texas flavor um, uh, as a result of um, sourcing the grains from it. So that was, in a way, very helpful. Did you have the whole Texas brand in mind? Like, did you have, like, did you have that concept yet? Or we no? didn't, we didn't. Um, it was classic probably over the year that we were 
writing the business plan. We had a whiteboard up mm -hmm. and we had, you know, several hundred uh, names, oh, brand did. names. And just, you know, look at them and study them, talk about them. Um, and, um, you know, just uh, as I was sharing earlier, you know, just sitting in the office and dreaming, talking mm -hmm. and, you know, eliminating in that, yeah. in that case, um, the brands until we kind of narrowed it down. And I, I had, um, Pat Green as a guest uh, yeah. a few weeks ago and he, he was like, Texans buy Texas. Yeah. <laughs> There's right. something. Yeah. But y'all tapped into it. I mean, there, right. there was an element of like, of no, not very many people are doing it. And then Texans love, we have this like Texas arrogance and pride that we yeah. just lo love it. Well, it, it, that's very true. Mm -hmm. And, um, once we saw the TX was available, that was, you know, kind of, mm -hmm. um, uh, exciting to mm -hmm. us. And, um, and so we, we also in the, in the plan and it related very quickly to that brand. Um, we definitely wanted to leverage Texas mm -hmm. and the, the spirit of Texas, the culture, the attitude, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. Um, uh, and we felt that, not only could we take it, take advantage of that or just tap into it um, here and throughout the state that we, we called it, there's an inner cowboy in everyone, mm -hmm. right? And from New York to Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And we could capture that spirit. It's so American. Mm -hmm. Bourbon is so American. Yeah. Um, and if we did it right and tap into that kind of... Um, um, perspective and attitude, boy, we could really build off of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, again, that was, that was, um, in our business plan. So people said, yes, yeah. they gave you, they gave you money. Right. Uh, how much, how much equity did you give away to, to raise? Oh, you know, uh, I can't remember offhand. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, um, we had a good, good, we, we were so thorough. We had done so much work study at a distributor um you already had a distributor lined up. lined up yeah once once they saw what we were doing on west vickery okay so you um, found the space yeah on west vickery and and we mapped it all out for them uh we we got our distributor which was glaciers uh very early on before the product and all before the product yeah there has to be something to your storytelling and salesmanship to, yeah. <laughs> to well, cast I, this bit, to paint this picture. I, I, well, I don't know, but they could see it. Yeah. They could see that facility, what we were doing with it, what we were investing. Mm -hmm. um, and they knew something good would probably result. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, of course, see hundreds yeah. and thousands of brands. So they had a, a pretty good perspective. And, um, you know, that, that was really big for us and certainly then helped the valuation. Mm -hmm. uh, knowing... Um, they could give you an idea too of what what they thought it would would do. Well, for sure, for sure. But we could communicate with investors with confidence. Hey, yeah. these guys are going to uh, distribute us. So that was one of the big questions yeah. that we could we could resolve. Answer. So you got the space, you got the investment, you got the distributor. And now you've got to you got to produce. Yep. <laughs> you yep. got to make the thing. Yeah. Uh, and and you you brought on Rob, right? Rob is the uh, Rob Arnold was yeah. our uh, uh, head distiller, and you brought him on very in early. Yeah. Or, or, um, or had y'all had you had had y'all made it first, or did you bring him on to help? 
he came on to help and okay. was part of that. Uh, the three of us really designed uh, the whiskey and the bourbon together. Mm-hmm. And I read this. I was I was in my researching. Y'all were trying. I guess yeast plays a big role yeah. in the taste and yeah. the flavor. Um, and y'all, you, you wanted a a Texas yeast. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, tell me if this is true or not. <laughs> but the story goes, he went to this ranch, which yeah, is a friend like, of mine's ranch. A friend of yours. Yeah. <laughs> was collecting yeast off of things. True. All true. How does that? What? Like, All true. So it's the way they used it, and believe me, I didn't. know How anything. do you get yeast <laughs> off of? And you wound up getting it from a pecan shell. Yeah. Pecan nut, exactly. How? Where is the yeast? So How does that it's work? A, the old old school way to do it. It's called jug yeast. Okay. And uh, believe me, I didn't know any okay. of this until <laughs> Rob Rob joined us. Other than um, when I asked him the questions, what are what are our options for yeast? Uh-huh. You can get off the shelf ones, and um, and I said, well, how did they do it before these big companies provided yeast yeah. off the shelf? they do something called jug yeast or a wild yeast. And it was literally, they would put a, um, um, uh, one of those glass jugs, kind of like an Ozarka water mm-hmm. bottle or something, put some, um, sugars or something in, in the bottom of it, set it out and let the wind, uh, take <laughs> over and see, literally see what's captured. And Rob did the same thing. So you just uh, put a bunch, you got a bunch of jugs. Yeah. And put Didn't, a bunch of random all things over DFW, in it. all over DFW, and then um, sticks things. What else? Did, what besides pecans? What else did y'all did you try out? Oh, f- fruits, grasses, okay. barks, barks, uh, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, just and would, yeast grows. Uh, yeast grows. So you begin. So a couple critical this things happen. So funny. It was crazy. It was crazy, and you know, ultimately, you know, kind of. Um, the end of the story is what we succeeded at was getting a Texas yeast that helped that um, story of the product story of provenance, which is really important. Mm -hmm. But how we got there was fascinating because it was a couple key players. One, Rob being able to have the capability to even go do this Mm -hmm. as an, as a scientist um, to know how to go capture a wild yeast. That was <laughs> yeah. something you just, not everyone has yeah. that skill set. Uh, and um, a friend of mine's very involved at TCU, and I called him and said, hey, um, uh, it happened to be an investor in the company as well, said, hey, we have this idea to capture a wild yeast, and uh, our, master, our head distiller thinks he can do it but we need access to uh, a, a lab, a science lab with some sophisticated equipment. Mm-hmm. We would love to get into TCU and uh, do that work there. He called the chancellor. Chancellor thought it was a cool idea, called the dean of the um, biology and chemistry departments. We went in to see them after talking with the chancellor um, Went in to see them. They thought it was a great kind of uh, exercise. Yeah, that, what a fun experiment. Yeah, uh, faculty students could get involved in uh-huh. and gave Rob um, complete access to the labs. And so all these uh, samples that he got from around DFW, DFW including the one from um, my buddy's ranch down in Glenrose, mm-hmm. um, brought them into the lab, see what would grow, begin testing them. Um, to see if they show signs of being able to ferment something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
we got it down to probably three or four candidates that were working. Yeah. And then literally off the Petri dish, you're smelling it and you get different aromas from the Petri dish. And there was one that we all really liked, which happened to be the pecan nut. Which, Which is the crazy. state, the state, the state tree, state tree of, of Texas. Texas, and you got it from a ranch in Glen Rose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was really stars aligned. It was really extraordinary. It was like God wanted TX whiskey so. to to <laughs> exist. I th- I think so. So so, th- and that's what you use today. That's you use it today. And so Absolutely. Do you just get lots of like you're put making these giant jugs of. We did. Oh my gosh. Uh, so it was. That sounds for, like an arduous. Process. It was. It was because you had to make a batch every week. And so we were, one of us was down uh, at the distillery because uh, you had to, there's a term for it, but basically you would take the yeast and you start it from um, maybe 24 ounces and you'd have to grow it, mm. the liquid to put, ultimately to put in our fermentation tank at the right level, which I think was like you know, five gallons. You had to make like a that. lot of it. You had to make a lot of it, and it took a week-long process. So one of us was, um, you know, managing that every day, including Saturday, Sunday. We would have to um, Babysit propagate the it. yeast. Yeah. Propagate the Yeah, you're propagating it. <laughs> uh, so um, it was very time-consuming and laborious to do that, but we were committed to it. And that's what gave it its unique flavor? Yeah, because, yeah, the, because the other thing that's interesting I feel about what you guys did is it's an aspect of it. It did not taste like anything else. Are you talking about the bourbon the or whiskey. the whiskey? The whiskey. Yeah. Whiskey was different story. So, oh, this, so this this was this for was the bourbon. all bourbon. This, this is was for all the bourbon. bourbon. Yeah, so which the, also tastes like I feel like both of them have a very unique flavor 100%, profile. Hundred percent, because the bourbon is that yeast which makes a difference. Um, it's why, you know, Makers taste, taste the way it does, mm-hmm. and Jack and Jim and, you know, all these famous brands have their own proprietary yeast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we wanted to and we wanted that. Not only has a good taste, but it, like, has this it's Texas IP. origin. It's, yeah, no, and it's literally our IP. Um, so for that was the bourbon. And then okay. the whiskey, what we did was um, we, you know, originally when we started thinking about uh the distillery one of the thoughts was you know everyone we uh knew seemed to drink crown and Mm -hmm. crown's great product of course canadian blended whiskey and we thought well why don't you know why don't we do a texas blended whiskey i mean Mm -hmm. it's clearly popular people like it if it Mm -hmm. tastes good um and that's what we went after so to do that we went and found different whiskeys that and again, it was a ton of experimentation and um, uh, designed by the three of us, combination of different, basically, ingredients from existing whis- whiskeys mm-hmm. combined to create our unique taste. And so you're um, all literally just sitting around, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little yeah, bit of this. Yeah. How fun was that? Yeah, oh, it was great. It was great. <laughs> it was great. And, um, and it was also terrorizing, right? Uh-huh. Because... Um, it, it was fun to do, but uh, ultimately, this was a product we were going to put into the market, yeah. and there's a lot of anxiety, right? So, yeah. one, it tastes good to us. Yeah. Is it going to taste good to anyone else? Mm-hmm. And then, two, same kind of anxieties created around the brand mm-hmm. um, because, again, we were bootstrapping it. 
no focus group, no, no, you know, kind of research at all in both cases, product and brand, which arguably there's not two more important things yeah. than that. Yeah. Um, it's everything. And it's a moment where, you know, you had to, we had to say, okay, it's a go. Do you remember both. that day when you were like, that's it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, for the product, we had a couple different examples. We all took it home for the weekend, came back, and everyone said, this is the one. And it was um, very unique. Very unique. And So just, you're kind of taking a, another chance there. It, could, it would have been safer to say, let's make it taste like correct. makers, or let's make yeah. it taste. But yeah. you guys, you made it, it had this like vanilla, oaky, yeah. cinnamony thing. Yeah, and it, it did. And I think ultimately now looking back at the product um, from that perspective, I would say we created and gave people something they didn't know they wanted. Mm -hmm. They had a perception of whiskey, particularly women, mm -hmm. which um, was one of the biggest surprises we had was the number of women that um, told us it, this was a whiskey they could drink they okay. um, because it was so smooth. Yeah. Um, because, you know, traditionally it's, oh, it's going to burn, it's going to hurt, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Ours did not, mm -hmm. and that was a big surprise. So when I say that we gave them something they didn't know they wanted, it was flavor and just that that mouthfeel, every, mm -hmm. kind of all the, the details around it um, was super, super helpful uh, from a product standpoint. And then, uh, you know, we work with a graphic artist on the, um, on the uh, packaging, except for the, uh, the top, which uh, uh, Troy did, as I mentioned. But um, we decided we liked TX, and we did a couple different versions of it. And I don't know what it was, but when we got got the email um with the vertical orientation mm -hmm. of the letters you're like that's it mm -hmm. that's the you one. just had the feeling had the feeling did you have the bottles already because your bottles were unique too because uh, everything traditionally has like angles and yeah lines i think we had sample bottles yeah we had certainly different versions you, do you go to how do you get bottles? Do you go to like <laughs> in China or something or India? Yeah, like, well, there's bottle manufacturers. Did you design it or there was like here's um, a here's well, an the, idea? Well, the whiskey bottle was what they call stock bottle, mm -hmm. so that was the most affordable route to go. Um, with our and you, if you look closely, you'll probably see that bottle with other brands. Mm -hmm. um, with the TX orientation, it it just kind of felt different than those other ones. But again, as a startup, that was the, the right way to go from an affordability standpoint. What we did with the bourbon was um, kind of the next level of choice is to do a custom bottle mm -hmm. where you design it. They create a mold and a factory produces it. And, you know, it's your trademark and, mm -hmm. and IP. Um, and we did that for the bourbons because it's got a very unique shape um, and like all the big brands, we wanted ours to be unique. Yeah. Uh, like Makers Jack, Jim, you know, they all have their own uh, crown, um, their own shape. So we wanted that. So it was fun. We designed the bottle. I went down to, um, uh, we worked with Owens, Illinois, as the bottle manufacturer, and um, they were going to, uh, or they did ultimately produce it down in Bogota. So I went down there oh, cool. as we were doing all the, the last specs on it and that kind of thing. And you so. had the leather on there and the canvas. Leather, and yeah. The, and yeah. It, was very, it was very earthy feeling. Yeah, for sure. And and we, um, 
really built off of, again, that kind of the, the Texas elements mm-hmm. of um, the DNA as we described it. So leather, we thought we always wanted to work that into the packaging somehow. Um, and the, the elements are all designed with that kind of Western or I guess applied mm-hmm. uh, with that Western feel The on the bottom of each bottle is a silver band that was really a no, a, a nod to um, uh, saddlery and mm. silver jewelry. Uh, that's so important in in the West. Uh, the canvas that goes around the top was a, a nod to the stagecoaches that went through Fort mm. Worth. Um, and is this your storyteller brain? That's kind of like hundred percent, hundred percent. And um, you know, we we would um, we would share that, but it was very. It was very prescriptive and methodical because, um, you know, we we really wanted to reflect where we were from. Mm-hmm. Um, TX in a big brand way, but uh, for Fort Worth, you know, the Western life and the horse culture is just such a big part. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously bull riding and rodeo and all that uh, is such a big part of the DNA. We, we wanted to capture that um, <clears throat> as best we could. So you have this product, you have the brand, you have, it's, it's, then what? Like, what was, what, 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 like, what was, how did it scale? Was it just organic and people started freaking out or did you like? Uh, yeah, you know, um, it it was interesting. So we, we, uh, when we launched, Mm -hmm. um, we, Glaciers was our distributor and, um, I mean, it was, maybe a half a pallet, right, that Troy and I put together and took us probably a, a, a day to get it wrapped properly because the case You two were doing it? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> um, oh, we were down there. You're like pouring it in there and wrapping it? Oh, yeah. yeah really? Yeah. My God, the second year, not to jump ahead, but uh, we were down there Christmas Eve. They had a pickup and um, we had to get a pallet ready. And, of course, we dropped everything because that – uh, the great thing about that business is you have really, you have lots of customers, but our paying customer is the distributor. Mm-hmm. And and we were with a great company and they would pay on 30 days. So collection was never an issue, but side note, mm-hmm. but that's important for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, they called with an order and we said, yeah, of course, because we were, I mean, this gotta was- got to pay for these Christmas presents that we just bought. got to pay for it, Exactly. <laughs> Um, so, um, you know, we, we got the product out there and a couple of interesting things happened was one, people started to taste it and, um, we started to get word that they were liking it. And this was, uh, via social media, some email, that kind of thing, but social media primarily. So we did two things that we saw on social media. One was, um, good reviews on the product itself. And then second, secondly, and completely unexpectedly, um, people talking about the leather top. Mm-hmm. And it, it was crazy. Because they were all different. They were all they were different. Boots. And what we saw on, uh, it was uh, Facebook, I guess, um, a, that entire conversation, real time. I'll never forget it. Where we launched, product gets out there, that we got a, some press that it was going to be hitting the stores. And people starting to talk about um, the leather, the color, uh, the skin skin type, 
and what stores they were finding them and mm-hmm. people driving across town to and pick were it up. you posting on social media no, no we were watching you the were conversation just watching. okay yeah yeah we're not, we, we i don't we didn't post much. We're not big social media uh-huh. people, but uh, we were watching the you conversation. Could, you were just using it to see the conversations happen. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, and it was fascinating. And that was um, a moment with the top, at least. We were like, wow, this is um, powerful, you know, from a, a marketing and packaging standpoint. Everyone is different. Uniqueness. Kind of like Cracker Jacks. You, you never know what the, pre- the prize is going to be. Yeah, no, that's right. And yeah. And which was now, of course, reflecting back, um, we love it for so many reasons. We ultimately got a design patent on the top. Um, But that leather is just so Fort Worth to us, Mm -hmm. you know, and it just it worked so well to create a um, uh, help create our identity. And um, that was such a cool time. to see how that began to so did you feel like it up. was working were you like was there a, was there a moment where pretty you were like, quickly yeah this is this is yeah do you remember like what like was it watching facebook was it seeing it in a in a liquor store was it like what what was the do you have a uh, time and place where it's like pops out as yeah we were profitable in six months <laughs> that's <laughs> that huge huge Mm-hmm. We're like, this is something we can build on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was certainly, uh, honestly. I and mean, were you nervous before that? Oh, yeah. I mean, we had a lot on the line, a lot on the line. Investors, our time, energy, mm-hmm. families. Um, and it was profitable in six months. That's so yeah, cool. You know, Troy and I had to, um, this was the big pucker factor, to um, to get to buy our stills. There was, I hadn't thought about this in a while, but um, to buy the stills, you had to uh, provide an address because it's all uh, uh, federally regulated Mm -hmm. through the TTB. Um, And just the way it mapped out, I won't go into all the details, but we had to buy the stills, um, you know, to because the the, uh, design and build time of the stills was going to be about a year. And so it was all sort of mapped out on the calendar. and we needed to purchase them. But to purchase them, we had to evidence the address and location of where they would be going. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have a building at that time. And so we had been negotiating with the West Vickery, uh owner, mm-hmm. um, but hadn't committed because one of the big sticking points was uh, the two of us were going to have to give a personal guarantee for the building and five years of rental, wow, which was a ton of That's money. A lot, yeah, and um, and you're signing a lease a year before the still can even go in to even correct. make the products. You're correct. paying that whole time. Yeah, so that was the big pucker go no go, mm-hmm. um, and we did it. Um, I don't think we told the wives. <laughs> <laughs> if they're listening now, you may be in trouble. But it, I'll never forget it. It, it was, um, again, another Christmas Eve story. It was Christmas Eve of probably um, 2010 um, where the landlord, we had been kind of dragging our feet. Um, and he was like, listen, you got till midnight and we're done. Um, wow. So we did it. Um, and and I'll tell you what, that it gets real mm-hmm. when you're personally everything on the line yeah. I mean, neither of us had the money 
Um, so um, <laughs> that makes brings but certain it, but, clarity. But yeah, it brings clarity, but also like forces you. It's like you take the leap, and it's like you it you you have to take that in order to yeah. do it. You have to take that. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Wow. So yeah, when yeah, so yeah, profitable, you were <laughs> a lot on the line. Yeah, that felt good. I mean, that it was relief, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it just again, consumer products. Did you go in a store and buy it? Um, sure, sure, of course, of course. Um, but a consumer product, you just you never know. You never know, right? How people are going to react to it, and um, um, so it was a relief. You know, moments along the way that mm-hmm. I tell you from a business standpoint, seeing that, um, uh, you know, that profitability so quickly was amazing, mm-hmm. give you comfort. And then also prior to that, seeing how people were responding mm-hmm. to uh, the product, to the tours and the facility and, you know, wanting to be there, wanting to have events and weddings and, yeah. you know, all those kinds of things, which we didn't anticipate um, we, we felt like there was a moment there we, where we, we knew we were on the right track. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the day when the, the bourbon came out officially? Oh yeah. I drove down there. Um, cause it, it, it was how many years later? Five years. Five years so later. I think it was December 16th of, um, seven, 16. Mm. Um, the whole city was a buzz. It was it's finally coming out. We're finally to, to taste the thing. It was really. And I remember I drove down there because I I live up the road in Fairmount. And I was okay, like, oh, God, that sounds fun. I'll go check it out. Yeah. And I was like, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like two thousand people outside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had we had no idea, uh-huh. uh, honestly. And there's there's no way uh, we could ever one re recreate that but um line around the building around the building there's probably three thousand people uh-huh. and um and I, I feel so fortunate because so many people work so hard to get to that point number mm-hmm. one um with our team and uh so that was a remarkable moment for everyone uh and then additionally just um more maybe selfishly and i just probably know that something like that in a career mm-hmm. is maybe once in a lifetime, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just so thankful, privileged to have a moment like that mm-hmm. um, because it was really the icing on the cake and, and I know will never happen again. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, and you couldn't get it anywhere. You literally couldn't get it. It was no, sold out at all these no, stores. I think and... We only had, um, I want, I want to say it's like 500 cases that went out. Wow. Because it took you two years, five years. That was five years. <laughs> it took you five years yeah. to make that. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a really again cool moment for the company. Cool moment personally. In uh-huh. um, a and you uh, had to staff up. You had to. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think at by that time we had made the decision um, probably in twenty fifteen. Um, to scale the business and um, very purposefully, again, one of those long multiple conversations between, between Troy and I um, to scale the business. And so we were doing well and again, don't, won't forget it. Um, But to scale means you have to reinvest and reinvest. We're kind of doubling down. Yeah. And um, you know, we, by that time we were doing pretty well 
um, growing our footprint in production. We saw other competitors now uh, getting into the space mm-hmm. in Texas. And, you know, our instinct was um, somebody's going to scale in a significant way. Mm-hmm. And literally, we said, had this conversation, well, why not us? Mm-hmm. Why do, why don't we be the guys to do it mm-hmm. and do something really big uh, on the level of what you would find in Kentucky, Tennessee, mm-hmm. or so forth? And, you know, again, conversation few conversations, detailed conversations. We're like, yeah, let's go chase it. And that's when we decided um, uh, to build that plan, do all the, again, almost from um, starting from scratch. And it started with a bigger space. Bigger space. You, you wanted to do a whole bigger experience. Yeah, bigger experience. It allows you to make more, make and more. ship more, and then Absolutely. have more people in. All of that. So, so it was centered around this sort of real estate. Yeah. Yeah, it was an important part of it, uh, of course, um, critical part of it, I should say. Uh, but it was a new business plan, you know. You we were, made a new, whole new business plan. Yeah, for sure. Um, because to answer your question, we had to go out and and raise more money to do it. Oh, so you raised more? Uh, you had you raised money a second yeah, time? Yeah. Okay. So we, in, in our history, we just did it twice, mm-hmm. and that was very fortunate. Um, but. Um, you know, again, we were we were probably not yet at the size where we could go to a, a bank mm-hmm. and just say, "Hey, this is a multi million dollar project." Um, we've, as a small business, we feel like we're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Would you finance this? We weren't there, mm-hmm. so we had to go to a, a private equity, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that proved to be a really good find. Find a good. We found a good partner uh, and patient capital mm-hmm. kind of perspective. And um, that was very successful um, in allowing us to, to grow the business the way we did. Did you have the space, the golf the golf course picked out first, or did you find, did. have the money committed first? No, no, we didn't. We, we had the money committed, um, so we had that powder mm-hmm. uh, available. And it was a, an incredibly frustrating uh, year, actually, after we had that powder, had the ability to go do it. We just couldn't find the right uh, spot mm-hmm. and we were we needed acreage because mm-hmm. we need needed to build aging barns mm-hmm. for the bourbon and um and so we were looking i mean we looked at ranches we lo- we wanted to stay close to home mm-hmm. um but with acreage that's obviously going to be challenging yeah. um and we just could never find the right spot we could find maybe the land but then to bring the utilities in mm-hmm. to create a factory i mean it was just Got very complicated, so and expensive. So um, again, one of those stories. Um, we were at the West Vickery um, uh, facility, probably four thirty one evening, and I'm on uh, LoopNet, mm-hmm. which and we had had a broker and yeah. so forth, and I don't, we were just frustrated. It had been a year, yeah. and I'm looking at LoopNet, kind of scrolling through properties in Fort Worth, and see um this golf course for sale the golf course is on LoopNet. that's yeah. wild and i was like oh my god so um it's glen garden country club uh for sale go over to troy's office and i said man have you ever heard of glen garden uh he's like yeah i've played out there like you know it's for sale like no uh <laughs> and i was like showed him what it was it's like well let's go out there so we went out there uh-huh. and um <laughs> Walked in the pro shop, 
and by this time it's probably whatever five five thirty and um we convinced the pro that we were out there to consider buying the property. Mm-hmm. He didn't know us from Adam. Yeah. And we would love to jump on a golf cart and look Jack around. Man. And he, he was like, eh, okay, all right, you know, be quick. Um, so we did that. It's 112 acres and drove around. Um, and we're like, this, this could really work. It was mm-hmm. two and a half miles, I guess, three miles from uh, the distillery. Um, and that just then led to a series of event, of events and um, getting the getting the property under contract. That's and a wild it. thing. We're gonna buy a country club, <laughs> a golf course <laughs> for our. We may have drink. had a cocktail, you know, that afternoon. I, I mean, know. that's <laughs> such like this such a ballsy, crazy move. Yeah, yeah. But it was remarkable. I mean, to, when you drive out and you go down the long driveway and you see yeah. that, like. It's. Yeah. I mean, it, the craziness of it is part of what made like made it so yeah, cool. I think. I think so. And and it just got better and better. Mm-hmm. You know, as we got into it, and you know, just uh, you mentioned the drive-in. That was again. We had a great architect out mm-hmm. of Denver that helped us, and um, uh, that we. I remember having that conversation because it's all uh, around. You know, how do you create a uh how how do you create a sense of place mm-hmm. and it's place making uh and that driveway was very um prescriptive because mm-hmm. we wanted people to come in and have this moment of just entrance to sort of take it all in like jurassic park you're driving yeah. in yeah and you see that's that. right <laughs> and the then the, the buildings emerge and, uh-huh. um so we did some fun things there but um uh it was um it was an extraordinary, um, again, one of these little twists of fate that just worked so well mm-hmm. because not only was it the acreage we needed, it was in Fort Worth um, and had Glen Garden had this remarkable, remarkable history mm-hmm. where Ben, ben Hogan, Hogan and Byron Nelson yeah. grew up catting and playing there, which is literally something you could never, never um uh, think of or, mm. or hope for or create um, of two global icons. And so the reason that was important was that ultimately when we bought it, we got all the memorabilia and you've been out there, mm. we could incorporate that th- that story or those people that are iconic mm. globally uh, into our story. And it was kind of very organic and natural because we left uh, much of the golf course um, as it was originally mm-hmm. and still is and people play out there um and it just was super powerful because mm-hmm. at the end of the day when you get out there you're there for that experience you're there to hear that story mm-hmm. and it's really a rich story yeah and in lots of ways from the product to the place but you got some pushback from it too it's like the, yeah. the neighbor <laughs> yeah a little bit now now you're a, a councilman bit. but th- was that yeah. sort of your yeah introduction into the world of politics was was yeah. was through that it was such a good thing for the neighborhood it was yeah. good for tourism it was good for Fort Worth. sure yeah now um more than ever i, I see both sides of the uh argument uh so to speak from mm being on the developer side to to um, uh, speak to the neighborhood at the time to build our facility to now um, working with a lot of developers 
and neighborhoods in, um, uh, you know, sometimes defending neighborhoods that that de- development doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so it's been really 360 in terms of that perspective, which has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly could use, again, on the development side, that experience and apply mm-hmm. it to what I'm, I'm doing now, no yeah. question. So so I know you, you have to take off here in, here in a second. because uh, Pretty soon it's yeah. Global Entrepreneur Week. Um, and... Yep, we're okay. Okay. We're okay. So gotta fa- fast forward. <laughs> I want to fast forward to what you're doing now. Yeah. So you bought Whiskey Ranch. You put it in this crazy place. You scaled it. Yeah. Uh, and then were you approached? Were you all approached or were you like looking for that or what What was? Uh, we were approached. And, you're approached. you know, it really was. This is was, your baby. Yeah, it was our baby and we were having <clears throat> having a lot of fun working again hard at it, but um, it was fun being out there. And um, uh, that was a tipping point, though, in that the place, as I was just describing, uh, is so remarkable uh, and has all these elements of storytelling and and content, Mm -hmm. as I was talking about before. Um, And importantly, the, you know, Troy and I, when we built it, uh, again, as I was talking about earlier, the, you know, the essence of that was we want to build a global brand. Mm-hmm. And if we want to build a global brand. You were brand, saying that out loud. Yes. We the want two, a global brand. Absolutely. The mm-hmm. two of us. And it was, why not us? It can come from Texas. Why not us? Mm-hmm. So let's scale it. Let's design it. Let's have the ability to actually fulfill that dream from mm-hmm. a production standpoint. Um, so once we did that, um, it was very clear that the combination of things with of a good product, a great facility, the ability to scale to produce the juice mm-hmm. um, for the global uh, audience, uh, global consumer base, those are the elements that uh, are important to multinationals mm-hmm. um, that we had always thought of, you know, down the road that could be an exit for us. Mm-hmm. And building Whiskey Ranch and seeing how, honestly, I'm very proud of it, as you would imagine, but well done Mm -hmm. it is, um, and kind of checks all those boxes, there were many that came knocking very quickly. Mm. And we were getting market share, and then we had this facility, and, you know, so um, those conversations started not not long after um, that we built the ranch. And uh, as I said, the all the top guys... Um, came by to see us. Hmm. And y'all had to make the decision. Did we, and you did. Yeah. Well, it was fun uh, or funny that um, we ultimately did, of course. But um, again, for entrepreneurs, the, the strongest position that we were in, the mm-hmm. greatest leverage that we had in those conversations mm-hmm. was that we could say no. Mm-hmm. And and that happened. Uh, that happened even at West Vickery, and then happened early on uh, wow. with Whiskey Ranch. We said, "No, we're not ready. Mm-hmm. We're not interested. This is we're having fun. We're building yeah. something, and uh, as intriguing as that is, um, uh, we're just not ready." Mm-hmm. And I think that was unexpected. Yeah, and that happened actually when we were raising money um, the second time when we were talking to people because we were popular enough that. People, people were knew. kind of pursuing yeah. us 
And again, we just, when we were negotiating, we were like, no, we don't, no we don't have to, do this. we don't need this, to do this. This is fun. It's working. Yeah. We just spent yeah. years designing this, right. <laughs> this golf right. course and now it's finally done. And it's um, a really lucky position to be in. And so, and, and you, you know, the other thing is like, you get to see it go to the global level. You get to, you get to kind yeah. of entrust it into someone that now knows yeah. really how to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now knowing what we know, mm-hmm. um, you, we would obviously, as entrepreneurs, you figure things out. Mm-hmm. But what they, Pernod, does for us is they're a great company out of out of Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, and just one small fact about them is, you know, they have um, global brands that we all know, Jameson, Absolute, um, mm-hmm. others. Um, but what they uniquely have, is they own their own district distribution Mm -hmm. globally where typically people partner with different folks in different countries, different, Mm -hmm. um, continents. Um, and they own it all Mm -hmm. there. They, which is very unique. So Mm -hmm. they can really control, they can really lean into, into brands. Um, and, uh, we thought that was very advantageous. Yeah. So now, so you, did you slow down for a little bit? Did you take a year or so off? Did you? Well, in in a way, I guess I did because, of course, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Um, we closed in September of 19 and then okay. uh, COVID hit a couple yeah. months later. And uh, we were under contract with Pernod and um, oh, um, a term. And um, uh, we were mostly going to do promotion and marketing uh, things, but that pretty much shut down. Mm -hmm. And, uh, interestingly, so during quarantine, during that terrible time, um, the mayor reached out, as you mentioned at the intro and said, um, Hey, we've got some CARES Act money. Mm -hmm. Um, could you help us figure out how to distribute it? And particularly, um, in the hospitality arena, because these These people people, are, are, are being so, um, uh, hard hit. And, um, and I should said, sure, I'd be happy to help. And it, and it was meaningful to me because, um, here we had just closed on our deal, feeling pretty good about it. Um, and now under COVID and the quarantine, here were a lot of my friends, mm-hmm. right. With businesses and, um, people that had supported us, mm-hmm. uh, through the years and really helped build our brand. And it started in Fort Worth mm-hmm. in every possible way. Uh, the support we got, um, people were hurting mm-hmm. and I was like, absolutely I'll, I'll help. And, mm-hmm. um, so just quick story. So started doing that. And, um, the council member at the time, Dennis Shingleton, um, we were talking one day and he's, and I was telling him, Hey, this is really rewarding to be helping the community in this Mm -hmm. way. Um, and he said, well, if you like the work, uh, I'm going to retire here at the end of this term. You may want to think about running. And so um, you didn't have ambitions for it. He, he kind of planted the seed. He did. He did. And, um, uh, and so I kind of went back and forth. What was your initial reaction? I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> this this seems like once we get out of COVID, yeah. this will be this could be a nice uh, lifestyle. Uh-huh. Um, and but I just you know thought about it and talked to my wife about it, and it truly did feel good to to give back and uh, help people that were again hurting, and um, and so uh, uh, back and forth about consideration and really 
trying to do due diligence on what it would mean to run for office and be in office. Um, and sometimes I feel like I didn't do enough due diligence okay. there because it's, it's, it's a, a lot big of work. commitment. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately talked to enough people and felt like, Hey, this, this, you'd be good at it. We think you'd be good at it and give it a go. And, and, um, so I decided to run and, you know, at the end of the day for me, it's, it's just another chance to give back knowing that it's not a career mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm totally comfortable with that. Uh, there's no, amb there's no ambitions. It's, it's, it's on service no, for the there, sake of, I no. get to do it. It's a, yeah. it's a uh, privilege. Yeah. It, yeah. And have you enjoyed I, I, it? I'm good. Yeah. It's been great. It's been great. Uh, it is a lot of hard work. Your, your favorite part of the job right now, favorite thing you get to do? Uh, economic development and uh, really following the mayor's leadership. Uh, mayor Parker is just doing such a great job. Uh, she's really fun to work with. Um, she's fantastic. Yeah, is just the best and has a good direction for the city, a good vision, and is following through with that. And one of those areas, uh, and there are many, but uh, one is economic development. And uh, she created a entrepreneurism and innovation committee that she asked me to chair, um, which we've been doing the last year and have done some, some good things. I think we got a little more work to do to, to actually apply some of the ideas that we've been talking about as a committee. Um, but I, I think it just, you know, the committee in and of itself is such a great, uh, example of the vision that mm -hmm. she has because it, it is entrepreneurial in and mm -hmm. of itself. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know of many other cities that have something like it, but it, it's really just um, helping to stir the conversation. Uh, and there are, there are other ones going on, mm -hmm. like Global Entrepreneur Week uh, that I'll be going to here in a minute. But, um, um, and it's, it's just great. You can sort of feel there's, it's a young council, young mayor, um, we're growing so fast, mm -hmm. 12th largest city in the country now. Um, cause you that, built that ranch. People want to come see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, indeed. But you know, it's sort of this generational change and mm -hmm. it's, and you can, I can feel it happening in a different way than, um, certainly in the, our whiskey sales, but see it in, yeah. um, you know, the growth that's coming in the conversations I'm having at city hall to really see firsthand how how people are are so excited about mm -hmm. Fort Worth and why they want to come here, yeah. and you know the big challenge is um, you know taking advantage of that without losing our our back to that DNA thing mm -hmm. that core DNA of what makes Fort Worth so cool and why we all enjoy living here. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. When you, in that note, when you think about legacy and that sort of idea, what does that, what does that mean to you? What do you want your legacy to, to be or be remembered for? Mm. Well, interesting question. Uh, you know, I, I would think, you know, um, first off, great husband, great dad, mm -hmm. you know, kids, kids are the legacy in my, my mind. Uh, and, you know, hopefully providing them the right, structure and tools to go on and do great things and mm -hmm. have great families. I think that would be a fantastic legacy, number one. Um, and then, you know, more professionally, I would say uh, it's a body of work. Mm -hmm. And I look at sort of these different things that I've done in my career that all, you know, somewhat are, are linked, but 
um, are very distinct and different for different reasons at, mm-hmm. at that time in life um, that I pursued. And that's been pretty gratifying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's a body of work of things that you enjoy doing. Number one, you just, I, I find satisfying. You make a living at times when you need to do that, obviously. Um, but, you know, doing things that excited me that, um, and I'll tell you, I mean, the running for city council is a really good example um, of this that I share with my kids, mm-hmm. which is get out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. you know, and this was the most uncomfortable I've ever been. You're in the crosshairs. You're in the Absolutely. public eye when you do that. Yeah. Just have no idea of, of uh, what it's like to be a candidate, mm-hmm. what it's like to be in office, what the expectations are, you know, um, very, very unsettling <laughs> at times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you get through it yeah. and you grow and you learn. And and I feel that's certainly happened every step of the way from city council to, you know, that first job selling advertising and mm-hmm. walking into somebody's store and introducing myself and trying to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but, you know, you work at it long enough, you get better at it. And you do those things inevitably, at least for me, stimulates other ideas, Mm -hmm. stimulates other thoughts and sort of what, what could be exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, what could I, I do that would be interesting. And what a great lesson to, to teach, get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. It's important. Well, this was a great conversation. Thanks for sharing your story. I I appreciate it. It's inspiring. And just, uh, you know, I, I think, I think, there was a lot of strategy and and you tapping into some really beautiful, neat things just with all of it, but also just hearing some of the the providence behind some of it, some, some of it as well, just yeah. from from the 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 loop net story to the pecan sh- like it's cool just hearing some of those moments like man it was there was some there was some favor there like God was like had yeah. a, had a course for you and you. You were chasing it down, but but also like man, just some his hand was some on divine it. moments there too. His, his hand was on it. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I talk about that quite a bit because mm-hmm. there's just some extraordinary things that were beyond planning mm-hmm. and good good timing or yeah. good luck that uh, fell our way, and and yeah. we're just you know incredibly fortunate for yeah. that. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate yeah, it. I've enjoyed it. All right. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Congratulations, you made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Stories with Soul. If you enjoyed the interview and like what you heard, please help us out and share, subscribe, and like anywhere you listen to podcasts. When you share and subscribe, it is insanely helpful and allows us to keep producing new episodes. You can always join us directly in the studio by watching the video version on our website, 6thavstorytelling.com. Stories with Soul is brought to you by 6 Ave Storytelling, an organic marketing company building standout brands on the foundation of story. You're obsessed with your business and we want to make the world obsessed with it too. Thanks for listening.